Welcome to this week's edition of Holy Apostles Weekly Sermons. continues to work his miracles even uh, even to the very 
end of his earthly ministry, we could say. And passing by the road, there's a blind man sitting there begging. And when he hears the crowd passing by, he asks them what's going on, because obviously he cannot see. And they say, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And the blind man responds by crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now that's an interesting response on the part of the blind man. Because what the people had told him was what was visible to the human eye. Jesus, this man from Nazareth, is passing by. What the blind man responds is with a messianic confession. The title Son of David is not just an honorific title. It is a title for the Messiah. The Son of David. The Messiah was prophesied to come from the seed of David to be descended from the great King David. And therefore, this is a messianic title. And so when the blind man calls out Son of David, he's saying something positively about Jesus. And it introduces an, a, an element of irony into the account because the people who can see are blind. The people who can see see Jesus of Nazareth. But the blind man sees the promised Messiah. Jesus, son of David, and then he says, have mercy on me. That's kind of a, an interesting phrase in, in the Greek. We'll get back to it in just a second. But as the, the crowd around Jesus that are passing with him, they tell the man to be quiet. And this is not just an effort at crowd control, you know, to kind of calm down the things that are go on, going on. These people are objecting to what the blind man has said. Because he has ascribed messiahship to Jesus. And there are at least some in this crowd around Jesus which are not yet willing to accept Jesus in this role. And to them it's almost blasphemy to, to call this man the son of David because that's a title reserved for the Messiah. And yet he will not be silenced and he calls out the more son of David, again the messianic title, have mercy on him. So Jesus stops, commands the man to be brought to him, and when he comes to him, he asks, what do you want me to do to you? And he asks this question because it's not exactly obvious, right? I think that sometimes we read these passages and we think, well, that's just obvious, right? What do you want me to do? He's a blind man, what else would he want? But in Greek, the word mercy is also the same word for alms. Eleos. And so, this is the man's livelihood, sitting by the, by the side of the road begging for mercy from everyone who walks by. And they respond by giving him some money for his daily needs, right? And so Jesus asks the man this question so that it will be clear to everyone present, number one, what he's asking for, and number two, what Jesus does. So that it doesn't become something like just a, a sort of an arbitrary act of power and, and vainglory, right? But he gives to the man exactly what he asks for. And after receiving this clarification, Lord, that I might receive my sight, Jesus responds, receive thy sight. Again, with words of power. It's, you see it again and again in the, in the life of Jesus. He doesn't respond like one of the prophets, right? He responds with his own words of healing. Receive thy sight. And immediately the man's sight is given to him, and he follows him 
and he glorifies God and all of the people give praise to God. So this is a profound account of a miracle in which Jesus works. But you know, the fathers of our church are never content to interpret things simply on the literal level of the event which happened. And so, if we can focus a little bit on this event wherein the blind man cries out with the messianic title, Son of David, which is a confession, immediately the crowd moves to silence him. Be quiet. So what does that mean for us? The fathers say, well, that means when we set out to confess Christ, there will be forces which oppose that confession and require us to be silent. In fact, uh, St. Augustine, writing in the 4th century, says, there are many Christians who will persuade us not to live by the commandments of Christ. In interpreting this passage particularly. Others are not quite that direct, and they'll say, Things like our passions will rise up and clamor for our attention and require us to not confess Christ. The example set for us here in this passage is the perseverance of the blind man. And his perseverance is particularly in the confession of Christ. Even whenever the crowd around him is saying, be quiet, don't do that, don't say that, he persists all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so the example set for us, and what you and I are called to do, is to persevere in our confession of Christ. How do we confess Christ? Yes, it could be with words. Might be. But I suggest to you that that is not the only way of confessing Christ, and I think many times it is perhaps not the most effective way to confess Christ. You're probably all familiar being, you know, in Oklahoma. You're probably all familiar with the concept of someone accosting you in the grocery store when you're just trying to pick up fresh produce. Have you been saved, right? All this does is put people off, right? This is not an effective confession of Christ. What is a more effective confession of Christ? I'm going to cite here one of the, one of the few non-Orthodox sources I like to cite. That is Francis of Assisi, who is reputed to have said, preach the gospel all the ways, and if necessary, use words. <laughs> I like that. Preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. Even the Lord himself gives, up, gives us this example, that his teaching was always by what he said, yes, but frequently by his silence, and frequently by his action. Everything that he did was instruction to us. And so our confession of Christ follows that same pattern. Sometimes, yes, it is with words. Sometimes it is with silence. Sometimes it is with actions. How will we confess Christ? Well, some of the more challenging things I would say is that if you're at work or at school, you can abstain from participating in gossip or in unclean, <coughs> unclean jokes or discussions. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. You don't have to say, you guys shouldn't be doing that. You just get up and leave. And if people ridicule for it, you for it, then you suffer for the truth. That's a confession of Christ. That's a confession of Christ. If you go to eat your meal in public, in a restaurant, or at school, or anywhere else like that, make the sign of the cross. 
Pray to God to bless the food before you take it into your body for your nourishment. Don't have to make a big deal out of it. You don't have to rebuke everybody else who's eating without prayer. Just pray and beg God to bless your food. It's very simple. It's a confession of Christ. It's a confession of Christ. By simple little actions, putting into our own lives the commandments of Christ, we begin to confess Christ in every aspect of our lives. And this is the perseverance which you and I are called upon to exercise. Yes, there may be an opportunity that God provides to us wherein someone says, I notice you always pray, and you cross yourself backwards. Tell me about that. In which case, now we have a chance to use words, right? But God has to send those opportunities to us so that they'll be the most fruitful and the most beneficial both for us and for the people that are asking. But if those opportunities do not come our way, then it is incumbent upon us to fulfill the commandments of Christ in every aspect of our lives. So that at the very least our lives look different. At the very least we look different than those who live according to the, to the passions and to the world. And that we can persevere like this blind man in the confession of Christ, even when everything around us clamors for us to be silent. And in this way, trust me, in this small ways, <coughs> God will use us. God will first of all transform us, and then He will begin to transform those around us. By our diligent, persevering in the confession of the Lord Jesus Christ who is indeed the Savior of the world. To Christ be all glory, honor, and worship together with His Father and the Holy Spirit unto ages of ages. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is and ever shall be.